Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest talk. And uh, this is a talk I gave at Stanford. And there they like you to give 10-minute talks on specific topics, really focused. And so my title was SMA Syndrome and Median Awkward Ligament Syndrome, True Syndromes or Fantasy. And it's a good topic because people have always spoken about SMA Syndrome, for example, does it really exist? And a patient symptomatic, and if so, what do you do about it? And we'll talk about that. And median awkward ligament syndrome. Now, we do recognize that the median awkward ligament often compresses the celiac, but is it important? And when is it important? So that's my talk. So, simple thing about technique. When you're looking at the mesenteric vessels, thin sections, rapid injection, 64 slice or better, Arterial phase is typically where you need to be. Venous phase is good for looking at the venous structures, but obviously it's not going to be what you typically need if you're looking at the arterial structures, right? So you want to be at the 25 or 30 seconds. And then the thin sections and the 3D mapping really allow us to look very carefully and really in integrate the knowledge of what we're thinking about with what's on the data set. This interrogation of the data set may be a better way of putting at it. So SMA syndrome, what are we looking at? We're looking at the angle of the SMA to the aorta. And why is that important? Well, there's two critical structures. One is the renal vein and one is the duodenum. If the angle is really tight, they will get compressed. So we talk about the, uh, when we talk about the uh, renal vein being compressed, which is the uh, left renal vein coming through, we're talking about patients with nutcracker syndrome, where patients often get hematuria. Now, SMA syndrome goes by a number of different names, arterial, mesenteric, duodenal compression, or chronic duodenal ileus, or CAS syndrome, or Wilkie syndrome, but let's stick with SMA syndrome. And what happens is typically seen with marked weight loss, so sometimes you see it in cancer patients, though usually their patients aren't symptomatic from there. Anorexia nervosa is a form of weight loss, often severe weight loss, and I've seen the CT diagnosis made before the diagnosis of anorexia nervosa. I've seen SMA syndrome. Then you work backwards and you say, aha, that's what's going on. And it was initially described in patients in total body cast, so it can still occur. Now, what we're talking about is the angle of the SMA to the aorta is about 45 degrees. 38 to 56 to be exact, while in SMA syndrome, it's under 25. The truth is, in my experience, when you have SMA syndrome, it's under 10. So we're not sitting there arguing 23, 25, 27. It's usually pretty clear cut. And then we look at the SMA to aorta distance, which is normally up to 2 centimeters, while an SMA syndrome is narrowed to under a centimeter. Now, we wrote an article about this a number of years ago and made the point that as opposed to traditional imaging modalities like GI and mesenteric angiography, which depict either the bowel or vasculature respectively, CT had the advantage of looking both at the bowel and the vessels so we could see the obstruction of the duodenum. We also could see the SMA, the relationship of the two, as well as measuring angles. So CT really was the ideal structure, the ideal examination for doing that. And this article with had four patients, um, CT demonstrated gastric and proximal duodenal dilatation with abrupt narrowing of the third portion of the duodenum between aorta and SMA, sagittal maximum intensity projection techniques showed a decreased angle and decreased distance. So my feeling is this, if you only have an SMA angle that's decreased 
and the duodenum is not dilated, then you have what you would say is a narrowed SMA angle, but it's not really having the syndrome. To me, you have to have the duodenum, and you have to have the symptoms of obstruction. So here's an example. The stomach's distended. This patient was done for ulcer disease. You can see again, but you follow it down. The duodenum is also obstructed. You jump down a little bit further and you see the duodenum is pinched where the SMA is. Look at the coronal, but look at the axial. And look at the sagittal. Look at the circles around I'm drawing. There's a transition there. There's no doubt something's going on. The SMA distance to aorta is decreased. When you look at the sagittal, the sagittal is the key for the angle. Look at the angle. It's flat. Look at the renal vein. It's flat. It's not hard to figure that when you have that kind of appearance, nothing can get through. It's obstructed. And if patients lose a lot of weight, this patient ends up, even though it was male, having anorexia nervosa. You lose the fat around the vessels. Things narrow. They collapse. And this is what you end up with. And that's SMA syndrome. Okay? No ifs, ands, or buts. It really exists in this case. Or in this patient, look at the stomach, look at the duodenum, and you see the duodenum coming across the second to third portion. Look how it's trapped right where the SMA is coming down. And here it is again from that coronal to the sagittal view. Again, the sagittal is beautiful. The coronal is actually very good for showing you the duodenum. The sagittal gives you the angle, and that angle is so narrowed. That's a classic example of SMA syndrome, the patient's symptomatic. Often, how do they treat this? Well, you can't, you know, re-implant the uh, SMA. People have thought about that maybe, but they typically will do a gastrojejunostomy. And we've seen a number of patients where they've been symptomatic for years, doctor to doctor. Often these people are thought to be crazy. They've had surgery and they've done very well. So it's something important. Now I'll mention in this case, the patient has a very sharp angle. It's almost no angle between the SMA. And to me, this is SMA syndrome, although the patient, you know, initially was not symptomatic, but we looked more carefully, and there again is a duodenum being obstructed, and sure enough, when you looked into this patient who presented with vague abdominal pain, they did have history of nausea and vomiting, they did have symptoms that would go along with repeated obstruction. So again, these patients are often confused with um, ulcer disease, or all sorts of problems, but it's SMA syndrome that really nicely defines specifically what's going on for them. And again, the coronal view, hard to make the call, but of course, as I say, the sagittal view, rotate those images around, and you really can get a very nice look of the process. So again, often you'll see a narrow angle, may not be symptomatic, but when you see the duodenum distended, you have a home run diagnosis. And those patients can really benefit at times from surgical intervention. That's one. What about medial arcuate ligament syndrome? And what you see in this diagram is the median arcuate ligament can push right on the celiac and compress it. And CT is very good for this because this article that Karen Horton wrote, it demonstrates the focal narrowing of the celiac, but what happens is, is it's beyond just that narrowing. What happens is the vessel then becomes dilated. So the narrowing to me is not the only thing. It's the dilatation beyond the narrowing. And it becomes very clear. It's clear that also that the abnormality of low insertion of the median arcuate ligament can be found in normal asymptomatic patients. But it's a subset of patients where compression can cause symptoms of abdominal pain that can be relieved by surgical decompression. It's also very important to recognize 
the right group of patients. Now, this median awkward ligament syndrome was described by Harjola in 1963. And again, the importance of both clinical and radiographic features. And that's very much like SMA syndrome. It's not just the imaging. Imaging is suggestive and the clinical thing really puts it together. More common in thin women, present with epigastric pain or weight loss. Pain may be associated with eating, but not always. Physical exam of brewery that varies with respiration may be audible in the mid-epigastric region. And symptoms are thought to arise from compression of the celiac axis, resulting in compromise in blood flow. Treatment is controversial, and I won't go into it, but uh, there are a number of different articles which show the patients will do better. They will have uh, the treatment is probably best in certain older patients, patients 40 to 60 with postprandial pain, greater than a 20-pound weight loss, and postanotic dilatation and collateral vessels. Now, it's very, very important to think about median awkward ligament in patients in several conditions. A patient who's getting a Whipple's procedure, we're gonna sacrifice the GDA, and I'll show you in a moment why it's important. If the patient has median awkward ligament syndrome, they can infarct the liver after surgery because the flow to the hepatic artery is through the GDA from the patient's SMA. That becomes very important. And it also can become critical for the same reason in patients who are getting hepatic resection. Now, here's the thing you look at. Look at the celiac and SMA. Again, sagittal view is the home run diagnosis. You see how it's narrowed and then this postanotic dilatation? Kind of looks like a fish hook to me, right? There it is when I do that circle. And look what happens when you take it out into 3D. You, what you really appreciate here is the GDA is dilated and the prominent vessels to the SMA and the collaterals that are present. Another example. Here you see some narrowing, almost looks like atherosclerotic disease of the patient's uh, celiac. Now sometimes I've seen where this mediocre ligament syndrome is really accentuated because there is superimposed atherosclerotic disease. But look at this case. Look how that celiac is almost occluded. Yes, the patient has atherosclerotic disease distally, but it's that mediocre ligament that's causing the problem and that postanotic dilatation really tells you the answer. And then when you go to the coronal volume rendered and MIP images, here are the MIP images beautifully showing you that cobweb of vessels around the pancreatic head. I've seen pancreatic tumors called when it's later phase or non-contrast. Because of those collateral vessels, it looks more mass-like. Here it is in volume rendering. You really can see indeed what you're dealing with and how it can lead to potential pitfalls in diagnosis. Another example, look at this case. The celiac is almost occluded. Look at the collateral flow. Just, just looks just like the other cases. And here's, I'll show you two more images in MIP from anterior and from above. But look how those collaterals are kind of surrounding the pancreas on that image on your right. Just a beautiful, beautiful example. And it's very impressive to me how sometimes unimpressive the findings are on axial imaging. Same patient, axial imaging, you know, here it is on venous phase and here in an arterial phase, very unimpressive. You can see some of the collaterals, but much more impressive on 3D mapping. So, concluding then, SMA syndrome, median ocular ligament syndrome, can be diagnosed with, on CT, particularly and especially with 3D mapping from the sagittal view. NPR sagittals can be very helpful as well, although not all patients with the classic findings, that means the classic imaging findings, be an SMA or median ocular ligament syndrome, are symptomatic. Uh, 
but other patients it is the cause of their symptoms so again very tough correlation you have to use the clinical information the clinical evaluation with the CT findings and again if you combine the two you really can come up with a subset of patients where surgical intervention can be critical now in patients with this medial ligament syndrome I've seen the surgeons now put in some endovascular stents perhaps it's a good non-invasive way of treating but regardless some patients will really benefit from treatment so I think it's our job to suggest the diagnosis and then further workup will occur so with that hopefully I've shared with you some of the points if you're in San Francisco you now heard it a second time or a third time and hopefully it's even more helpful. So with that, wish you a great day.